Hello and welcome to the In the Booth podcast. I'm your host, Alan Etzler. I'm joined today by News Post reporter Mallory Panuska. Mallory, how are you today? I'm doing well. And we have a special guest in the studio, Incounting Council at Large candidate Phil Dacey. Phil, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, just to, we'll get right into it, but um, how has the campaign been going so far, and what are some of those issues that you've been campaigning on in this year's election? Well, I think the campaign's going full steam ahead. We're a month, about a month out now from the election, believe it or not. I've been actually campaigning for probably a better part of a year now, uh, door knocking and getting out to every community and uh, meeting folks. Uh, the big issues people are talking about are uh, really growth, public services, and um, how to get along <laughs> and function uh, well together as a, a new form of government here, uh, the charter form of government, and uh, what role the uh, the legislative uh, function of the charter government should have as opposed to what the executive should have. And so what are some of the issues that you've been, oh, you, you mentioned a couple of them, um, so I guess we'll just jump right into a few of those. One of the, the big things is um, the APFO and school construction fees. Uh, where do you kind of fall on this issue? And you've been following it. The, the bill was supposed to be voted on, was tabled by the county council. We might get somewhere, we might not, but where do you kind of fall on this issue? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't tell you the truth. I would not be disappointed to see this come to the, the new county council and the new county executive um, for a fresh take. I really think that the uh, county council candidates that are on, or the county councilmen that are on there and uh, and the county executive have kind of solidified their position on it. They've, they're kind of locked into positions. I know they're trying to reach a compromise on it. But um, I, I, I do think it's a little um, unusual that in the last couple, you know, the waning hours here of the, the county council, the last uh, month here, last two weeks really, of the county council um, before the election that they would be pushing some significant legislation through. So I'd like to see his pause and um, see what the new council makeup could, could do on the, on the issue of school construction and um, school mitigation fees. I think the amount of revenue that they're talking about raising, even with the, the higher estimates, is really not a significant amount of revenue. I mean, if you're talking about building or constructing a school, I mean, you're talking about the range of 20 to $30 million for an elementary school these days. And, uh, you know, by my calculations, it would take decades to have enough money in that fund to make a difference for even one school. So um, I, I would like to see a fresh approach taken. And, uh, you know, I think that's an issue that this new council could uh, could take up. Would you be in favor of, like, re-adding mitigation fees um, in the county? Well, uh, generally, I have not been in favor of uh, uh, adding fees or adding taxes um, to residences or to, to residents. I think uh, we need to work within the budget that we have generally. Um, I'd be open to trying to refigure out how to uh, the, how to allocate um, how those funds are collected, but um, but generally, yeah, I think when you add fees onto homes, it, <laughs> it exacerbates problems like um, housing affordability, um, economic competitiveness in the uh, within the county, and uh, and I'm not sure that it actually accomplishes the objectives that they're intended for. Um, I'll give you one example from when I was on the Board of Aldermen in Frederick City. There was a fee that continually, a uh, park acquisition fee. So every new home had to pay, and I had to pay it when I moved, to, you know, when I bought my home in Frederick City. Um, every new f home had to pay, has to pay thousands of dollars in park 
uh, acquisition fees in addition to park uh, capacity fees or park uh, parkland uh, mitigation fees so there's two fees for parkland uh, for new homes in Frederick City but Frederick City actually doesn't even know what to do with the funds they're collecting with those park acquisition fees because they have frankly they get <laughs> when they when they approve a new development it comes in with um, parkland uh, usually part of the condition is the parks have to you know there's space for park within a, a planned community and uh, developers want that and homeowners want that and so everybody wants to live near a park so it's a kind of a win-win situation where um, approving a development with uh, built-in parkland has is, is become the norm but uh, homeowners are still paying thousands it added thousands of dollars to cost of my home uh, to, to purchase in Frederick City uh, parkland acquisition fee for which we're not even acquiring additional parks we have tons of park space that's undeveloped in frederick city and so uh so a lot of times these fees get added on and uh, and it's not even necessarily clear how how they're utilized in this case of the uh, school mitigation really if you look at school capacity countywide uh, the schools we have capacity countywide um, there's not a shortage of capacity now. There's certain areas that are overcrowded and certain areas that are undercrowded, and so. But to me, the solution is not necessarily well. Let's let's add a fee to everybody's homes, which is going to push up home valuations and push up um, housing affordability costs. But the solution is to let's better allocate the resources that we have. So rather than building additional schools and adding capacity in certain areas when we've got existing capacity um, system-wide, um, I think that uh, we can better allocate those resources. I mean, looking back, this is something that I, I looked back on. It, I'm sorry that I'm filibustering here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it got me curious. I'm looking back in uh, 2007, the, the Board of Education estimated that there would be 50,000 students in our schools in 2017, 10 years later. So they said, you know, we need to plan and build for that capacity. But the reality is that there were 41,000 students in 2017. So they only added 10,000, only out of 1,000 students over a decade. So 100 students across the entire system per year. And uh, and yet we still have some overcrowded schools. So, and uh, and they didn't reach that, you know, they didn't reach the, uh, the level of, uh, enrollment that they thought they would so there should be additional capacity and in fact there is additional capacity so it, it is curious to me how how the board of education wants additional land and continually wants to to build new schools those are schools that we have to continue to maintain but uh, middle school capacity was under 90 percent so uh, there's still county-wide so there's there's available seats um, it's so we got to make, make a better more efficient use of the space that we have um, you had mentioned affordable housing um, a little bit, like as far as like school construction fees and how it kind of gets passed down to the homeowner, and that's a huge issue I know in the county. So, um, like, what I guess could you do as a county council member to kind of create affordable housing or get more affordable housing in the county? Sure. Yeah, that's something that uh, we worked on a lot in Frederick City um, workforce housing. There's uh, a number of different uh, models partnering with the private sector that. Um, they get tax credits, private sector gets tax credits in order to, uh, to build workforce housing. And uh, there's a number of successful projects that have been uh, initiated 
within Frederick City. So I think that's more of what we need in, in various areas of the county is to, to find ways to make those partnerships. And I, I know it's happening in Frederick City, but there's other municipalities. Um, Brunswick could certainly use some, some affordable housing. Um, uh, places like Thurmont, um, where you have a lot of uh, folks with lower incomes. It, uh, you know, it, it's it's something that the county needs to to work on is working with those um, nonprofit partners and the, and the private sector in order to uh, to establish affordable housing. But anytime you add on fees and and taxes to homes, that just pushes up the the price of existing homes as well. People don't really realize that, but if you know. New homes are are um, are going up in price by ten percent a year. That pushes up the existing home stock price too. So it really kind of does affect us all. Um, even you know the fees, the potential fees and taxes we're talking about can affect us all, even though we're already here. Are there any fees in particular that you would look at that you think are kind of driving up those prices that maybe we don't necessarily need to have? Yeah, I mean that's something that I would have to look at to see what all of the uh, what all the fees. But I gave you an example of Frederick City, which is uh, you know those two, the two park the two park fees that they have in Frederick City, where they don't even know what to do with the second second pot of money. But um, you know, I think uh, overall um, we need to make sure Frederick County remains affordable for folks that are here and uh, and folks that that uh, that want to move. Frederick County is a desirable area. Um, it's got a lot going for it. As a, even opposed to you know the surrounding counties, a lot of people want to move here, and we need to. It's a good thing to have. It's a good problem to have. Is that Frederick County is a, a dynamic place to live, and uh, we need to market. Uh, I think better towards the commercial end. We need to make sure we have more jobs here in Frederick County, um, so that people that want to move here can also work here, uh, so we don't get so much traffic. But uh, but overall, I think uh, I think we really. Um, need to make sure Frederick County remains an affordable place to, to live and, and raise families. And so we can continue to thrive as we have. One of the uh, responsibilities of the county council is to set the tax rate. Are you in favor of the constant yield or the constant tax rate, which is, or the constant rate tax rate, which is what we've been using for the last four years? Yeah. Yeah. That's a confusing issue. I mean, uh, you talk to people, <laughs> you try and talk to people about it and there's really two ways of looking at it. And, uh, you'll hear both articulated on the campaign trail. Uh, so there's one way of looking at it is the, the actual set rate for taxes and, uh, and people saying, well, the tax rate hasn't increased um, over the past four years. We've kept it the same. We've kept it at $1.06 um, per, uh, per, per thousand um, dollars of assessment. And so the literal tax rate hasn't changed. But the uh, the constant yield comes in, and that um, actually the state requires the county to to publish what the tax rate should be if you if the revenues were to stay the same, and uh, and so in effect, people with the increasing assessments end up paying more in taxes because your house gets revalued every three years, and especially with um, you know the way the housing prices have gone in Frederick County is that. Uh, housing assessments have been increasing for the last several years. Actually, I probably the better part of a decade now um, since the since the uh, the prices bottomed out. The the cost of housing has gone up, and the the valuation on homes has gone up. So, um, 
people end up paying more in taxes. So I, I think generally, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not in favor of paying more in taxes and I'm not in favor of, uh, of having to face an additional tax burden. So, uh, so things that end up making people pay more money in taxes, whether that's, you know, changing the rate or whether that's just, uh, just having your home value assessment go up, that would be something that, uh, you know, I'll be in favor of freezing taxes, which means not paying more than you paid last year in taxes and, and finding ways to reduce, um, the tax burden, the overall tax burden in Frederick County. And, but when, when you do that, there does kind of come a, a side effect because costs increase. And so if you're bringing in the same amount of revenue and costs are going up, there are things that may end up having to be cut. Do you feel like there are things that you could find in the budget that are, are cuttable, I guess? Yeah. I mean, there's always things you can cut in the budget. I think, uh, it's a matter of prioritizing, I know uh, uh, this county council, for example, has kind of added, you know, I don't know how to best describe it, but they've added a million dollars worth of um, giveaways to, you know, favorite charities. <laughs> I mean, there's no other way to describe it. They're, they added in the budget a um, million dollars that they're giving away to select 501c3s. Um, and that may or may not be a good thing, and some of those may or may not be doing good work, but there's no real standardization for the process. It's it's more of a slush fund <laughs> it's to favor favorite charities. Um, it's something that, uh, you know, it's it, it goes away from the core spending of, uh, of what a county council should be doing. I think the county council really needs to be focusing on education and uh, public safety, and then roads is really the third thing that uh, the county council should be focusing its uh, resources on. Um, those are the basic tenets of uh, c county government, providing those services. And uh, I think there are ways that um, you can find within the existing budget to uh, to cut. But certainly over the last four years, the budget's grown, uh, I think, $83 million over the past four years. So we're not in a situation where um, where we're getting less tax revenue. It's something that we've continued to, the budget has continued to, to grow and expand and and what tends to happen with government is that, um, you know, you get $10 million the next year, additional tax revenue, say, um, and they say, oh, the, your government says, well, that's $10 million more million that we can spend. Let's figure out a way to, to spend that $10 million. Not, we have a $10 million need. Let's figure out a way to, you know, let's first assess the need that we have um, in an area, identify that need, and then uh, figure out a way to fund it. It, it kind of goes backwards. It's well, we're going to have $10 million extra dollars, so where should we put those $10 million? So it's kind of putting the cart before the horse. It's um, it's really, I think we need to get back to the idea of let's assess where what we uh, what level of spending we need in each area, and then we'll find a way to, to, to fund those um, necessities rather than uh, the backwards way of, well, what are the assessments coming in at next year? Let's just spend that additional money. Um, another big issue is opioid abuse, um, and the county executive and sheriff, or, um, the sheriff recently announced a desire to place a detox center inside the county's work release center. Um, is that something that you would be in favor of in that spot, and if not, would you favor a detox center somewhere else in the county? That's a good question. I think they, uh, I mean, from what I know of it, it's a good first step. I do think the opioid abuse has reached a level where the county really needs to engage with the state and, and the federal government. It's such a huge problem. Um, opioid deaths have now exceeded the deaths from homicides and traffic fatalities combined. 
and so uh, in Maryland. So, um, so the opioid crisis is something that touches everybody, and uh, it's a tragic issue. It really is. Um, I think we need to work on enforcement and education and treatment, really. So those are the three factors that I would work on: um, is educating people about uh, what op- what starts opioid abuse. A lot of times, it's not you know, it's not people on the street corner. It's people getting an injury and, and getting addicted. Um, I think we need to act. There are actually some bad actors out there that are uh, doctors and uh, patients that are you know selling the opioid pills to people, and and there's even some worse actors that are selling the fentanyl which is a deadly form of, um, of the opioids that uh, really just causes death. And so uh, I know the governor has done a good job of uh, increasing the enforcement penalties for that, but we really need to find those people that are dealing fentanyl and, and take a f- enforcement action against those folks and make sure that the county um, has the resources to be able to find those people. And those are the people that are selling you know, death pills to the kids, really. And then, um, and then treatment, I think, is a third key. Anybody that's seeking treatment, I think we need to find a way to provide it. Somebody that's trying to get back, um, you know, back away from that, uh, the evil that is that opioid addiction. We need to um, accept their, their hands and, uh, and with open arms and find a way to provide them treatment. The... Some folks in the in the rural parts of our county in the in the farms they are trying to find ways to make agriculture a more sustainable uh, way of life and they are doing that through several means including ag- uh, tourism agritourism I guess is the term they're using composting things like that what would you do as a county council member to promote tourism for those rural parts of our county yeah I mean the tourism is i mean poor tourism agriculture is really what makes up frederick county i mean people think of frederick county they think of you know we're the largest dairy producer in the state it's always been that way uh, we've always had a, a large number of farms relative to uh any other county in the state and so um agriculture is a huge piece of frederick county and we need to do what we can to make sure that uh it remains a key component in frederick county um I think uh, agritourism is a huge area, but I think uh, I talked about this the other night is that um, farms need to economically diversify. Um, No longer can farmers really rely on just commodity prices to to meet their payroll because the commodities are so volatile. You know, the cost of milk has been going down. The cost of other um, commodities you know they they rise and fall with basically global pressures so there's really not a lot the farmers can do with um, corn and other other uh, crop farming Um, they're so reliant on those global prices for commodities that um, that it makes farming difficult here in frederick county and what i think the county council can do is is really be one a cheerleader as you alluded to to the agritourism areas in frederick uh, we need to make it around the state and the region and make Frederick County known as a place that you can come have a good time on the farm. But, two, we need to ease regulations. I think um, we need to listen to the farmers. My general philosophy um, has been if somebody wants to do something with their own land, let's let them do it. As long as, you know, as, long as it's not causing a huge impact or huge uh, external fa- externalities for, for the folks around. And that's something to be mindful of, their neighbors and um, traffic and as long as there's those are reasonable uh, as long as there's reasonable accommodations can be made I say let people do what they want with their own land 
and farmers are no exception. So I think there's a lot there's a lot that farmers are able are, you know able to do with the the land that they have, and that's really the value that they have, and the uh, the investment that they have is really in their land. And so there's a lot of different things you can do, and you're seeing a lot of it with as far as event venues and wineries and tasting rooms, and uh, you know petting zoos. You're seeing all sorts of different dairies, uh, all sorts of creameries. Uh, all sorts of different things on the farms in Frederick County, and I think uh, the county council does have a role to, there to play, and really the role is to make sure that uh, we don't stand in the way of all this um, innovation that's happening in the agricultural business and let people economically diversify so that they can continue to crop farm and they can continue to dairy farm maybe with a creamery on there so that people can come and have some ice cream or maybe with a, a tasting room on there so people can... Um, you know, drink the crops, but uh, I think the county council's role really is to try and uh, work with the farmers to let that kind of kind of uh, growth happen. Um. Oh, um, I wanted to ask you. I know that um, the downtown hotel. Um, you have already voted to support it in the city. Um. Do you think that project is moving along as quickly as it should be? And um, do you have concerns about getting derailed after the election coming up? Yeah, I think uh, I'm not sure, but I, I'm, I'm on the record as a you know, long-standing supporter of the downtown mm -hmm. hotel in Frederick. Um, maybe the only Republican supporting. I'm not sure at this point, but <laughs> <laughs> it's unfortunately it's become a part. It seems to be, become a partisan issue. And I certainly understand the other side. Um, you know, the other side feels like, the, the city and the county are picking winners and losers but oh my goodness that hotel is long overdue <laughs> um, and I'm fully aware that certain times the counties and the cities need to make you know municipalities and counties across the country really need to um, uh, step up and and uh, assist in economic development where it's necessary um, and so uh, yeah this hotel we've been talking about the hotel for Boy, I ran for alderman five years ago, and it was four years overdue then, so it's about ten years now that we've been talking about a downtown hotel, and it just hasn't happened. Um, so there's no hotels still within the, the walking area of the downtown, which is a huge gap in, Fr in Frederick City. And, uh, yeah, I have been a proponent of it. I think we need to find a way to get it done. I, I know there's been roadblock after roadblock and curveball after curveball, but um, I think with a new county council, we can find a way to kind of take charge of that project and get it done one way or another. It needs we need a uh, a centerpiece down there on the on Carroll Creek. It's really going to make the east side of the Carroll Creek pop. And actually, you know, the studies that we've done in Frederick City show that uh, that there's about a hundred million dollars in private investment that's basically waiting on on the east side. That's waiting on a hotel. We need the foot traffic down on the creek um, we need the tourism traffic down on the creek and it's really going to lead to um, further economic um, gain if the, for the county and the city if we are able to make that hotel work uh, there's a number of projects that are right there in the creek that are saying well once we get that hotel we'll start and uh, and those projects will obviously pay property taxes and and bring in tourism revenue and bring in jobs and and so you know I think it is a catalyst for the east side of um, Frederick City. Excuse me. 
but uh yeah so i think it's it, it is kind of stalled now i really don't see um i'm not sure what the path forward is at the moment uh, but yeah, five years ago we were talking about it. Four years ago we voted on it to, <laughs> to support it. Three years ago we voted on it to support it. Uh, two years ago we voted on support. So uh, it's gone through a number of iterations. But uh, really, it's just talk at this point. And, and there's some paper and some agreements. But uh, I was really hoping that, and I was really urging that we try and put a shovel in the dirt on uh, on the hotel before I left as an alderman. But that was a year ago now, and we still haven't done it. So something that we really need to, I think the county council needs to play a role in making sure that that can get done. I know it's largely Frederick City's project now, but um, it'll benefit the whole county. Mm. I talked to people across the state, and people across the state love to come to downtown Frederick. They come for the day trip, though. Part of the reason why is that they say, you know, uh, there's there's nowhere for me to stay. And there are a number of... uh, people fill in the gap so to speak with airbnbs and um, bed and breakfasts that are downtown and those are always at capacity though so uh, we've got such a jewel in downtown frederick and i look at what we've got in uh, say annapolis which has a number of convention style hotels uh, and the tourism is uh, you know and, and annapolis greatly exceeds that in frederick city uh, even though frederick city has a larger historic district has more independent businesses more restaurants um it's got a lot going for it that uh that we, we just need that last piece of a place that people can stay at least overnight and also some convention space for the uh for the businesses that are here i know astrazeneca and some of the other big business businesses here in frederick um, have been clamoring for a long time for additional space for them to be able to host conferences you know astrazeneca is an international company uh, they want to bring more jobs here, and they have brought uh, made a major investment here in Frederick um, over the last five years, and they want to bring more jobs. One of the things holding them back is when we have these, we need to be able to bring in scientists from around the world. We need to be able to have small conferences on uh, on development and um, innovation in the biotech sector, but there's no facility here for that. So mm-hmm. uh, we have a great airport. We've got a great downtown We've just got to get that last piece of the hotel. But I think the county council is needs to play a role in making sure we get that hotel. One of the concerns that we've heard from voters in terms of you being on the county council is kind of your, um, I guess they, they would say, attendance record uh, on when you were sitting on the board of aldermen. And so I just kind of want to give you the chance to respond to that. Do you feel like you have the time? I know you have a busy job at the Department of Transportation. Do you feel like you have the time to be an elected official and sit on the county council? And why would it be different than maybe what was on the board of aldermen? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, Yeah, I have heard some of the the talk about it. And I kind of respond by saying, well, if the worst thing people can say about my job that I did over the last four years uh, on the board of aldermen is that uh, I had another job and I had to sometimes miss um, then I must have done a pretty good job because <laughs> they're not talking about anything that uh, anything bad that we did. Um, they're trying to find uh, things that uh, you know. In the political season, people are trying to find things about people to uh, to kind of um, raise doubts. But uh, yeah, I think um, I I had a I do have another job and I have a family. Um, I think some of those workshops um, that started during the day, I'd like to see the county council go to toward the evenings. 
the city workshops started at uh, three. Started at three. Three mm-hmm. o'clock, yeah, during the day. So sometimes it's hard to get there, tra- especially with traffic being what it is. Um, it was hard to get there from working down the road. And honestly, there's a lot of residents that, um, you know, that aren't able to attend those workshops for the same reason. So uh, having those workshops m- be more accessible for in the evenings for um, for folks that are coming from down the road, I think, uh, is something that the county council should do. I know they start at 430. But, uh, you know, there's nothing set in stone. Those could start later for folks. Um, it is hard for people to make 430, honestly, if you're working down the road. So, yeah, it's a part-time job. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we want to have people that have full-time jobs and, and work down the road so they have the experience of most of the residents of Frederick County that, that have to, uh, you know, they can't afford to just be a uh, full-time county councilman or a full-time uh, alderman. But I think shifting those to the evenings would uh, would benefit most residents. Awesome. Anything more, Mallory? I think that was all I had. Awesome. Well, Phil, we really appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, for voters, uh, early voting begins October 25th. Election day is on November 6th. And we wish you the, the best of luck in the election. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.